This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode 17 of the Sydney EO Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined with Rob Rawson from Time Doctor. Hi, Rob. I'm great. Yes, awesome. Great. Well, look, I'm really interested to hear the Time Doctor story today. Um, as I was saying before, I, uh, I've got a favourite podcast and you were on that podcast and that, uh, that along with you recently posting about your Bali remote working conference, um, encouraged me to reach out. So tell us about Time Doctor. What does it do? So we started Time Doctor because I had a team in the Philippines and we were all in an office and I actually thought I didn't want to live in the Philippines anymore. I wanted to get rid of my office. I wanted to have everyone working from home. And so I wanted to make sure that I knew what they were doing and that I could be confident that everyone was working productively when they were working from home. So basically it's tracking time and understanding the activities to make sure that the people are productive when working from home, especially with remote teams around the world. Uh, We have a team of 70 people in 28 countries. Uh, they're all working from home, which is kind of crazy, I think, for some people. So, so they're literally working on the, the software application, are they? Or? Yes, there's developers, there's marketing people, sales team, all of them working in remote locations around the world. Okay, so I know there's a lot of EOs that are getting onto this whole remote workforce idea. Is there a country where you know, where remote workers are better than other workers or? It depends on the skill. So you have to look at specific skills and what type of person that you're looking for. And I actually don't think it matters the country actually. I, when I'm hiring, I look at people from any location and I just look at their skill. So similar to not discriminating based on gender or race, I'm looking at not discriminating based on location. So yeah. if the person is, doesn't matter to me. Yeah, okay, so I mean I guess it's the same as like do you live in this suburb or that suburb, it's irrelevant, it's whether you've got the skills to do the job. Exactly. And so how does Time Doctor work? You've people subscribe or how do you make money? It's a software as a service, so people buy it as a monthly fee and then they use the software for how many users they have, so it's a per user license but software as a service as an industry is is absolutely fantastic because you've got the reliable income stream which i really like Mm. so tell us the journey how you've got like it's been going for six years now it was six years wasn't it yeah and it's a bit longer than that if you count the startup time and before when it was free etc so i started the software for myself initially just so that i could use it and then i thought well i can sell this and i went out and started doing some blogging and uh, writing about it at that time there wasn't a lot of alternatives that had the same type of thing so it was picking up steam is very long process i think every business is but it has momentum so every month and every year it's just growing month on month which is great and and what was the tipping point would you say because i'd imagine those first customers were probably hard fought what at what year did it sort of you know, I don't know, take on a life there, of its there's own. Not, and, not even a tipping point. It's just gradual, just grinding it out day after yeah. day. There's certainly times when it's been just absolutely terrible and I think the software goes, the server goes down or something like that. Right. I'm, I'm scared. But, you know, there's no tipping point to say, wow, we've ab- absolutely made it. Uh, it's just getting better and constantly improving things over a long period of time. So I'm intrigued what the 70 people do. It seems like a, lot, a massive team for... I don't know. I'm probably oversimplifying it, but 
because I, I was saying to you before that we actually, one of my guys in India who does all our web work uses Time Doctor. I never look at it, but he religiously turns it on every time he does work. Yeah. Yeah, so they do development. We've got quite a lot of developers and they're to do lots of little improvements. We actually have a lot of R&D work as well to improve the software and we've replatformed, so that's taken a lot of development efforts. Then marketing, we've got quite a big marketing team and they a, a large SEO team, and this is actually a team in the Philippines, and they're fantastic for generating links. So we do articles, we outsource articles, and then we reach out to lots of people for, would you like to mention our article? We've got a specific technique for that. We've got a guy in the US who coaches them, who's a really high-level SEO guy who mm-hmm. coaches the guys in the Philippines. So then we've got you know HR, we've got sales, which is more of a new initiative, and that's starting to work. So we've got salespeople in multiple countries in Canada, a guy from the UK who lives in Thailand, and he's doing sales. So awesome. That, that's uh, there's all sorts of things that you can get people to do remotely. Yeah, and and so I'm taking it. Employing seventy people remotely is a lot cheaper than doing it locally in Sydney. It is. There are people that are on more Sydney-based salaries, are they? and yeah. there's people that are on much lower salaries. So the salaries in the Philippines, like some of our researchers, for example, are on very low salaries comparatively. They'd be on five hundred dollars a month. Um, but most of the team are on much uh, higher salaries than that. But definitely compared to Australian or Sydney salaries, it's a lot lower. And I guess the appeal for the workers is that they, in essence, get more flexibility because it's about... Do, do your staff actually use Time Doctor as well? Like, they do, yeah. Everyone yeah. uses Time Doctor. Okay. But their, their appeal is that they can get a job that they wouldn't be able to get locally. So most of the people, they don't leave us because... First of all, they like the company and we treat mm. them well, but also, mm. to be honest, they can't get a better job because they're working in some place in India where there aren't any good jobs uh, or there are certain jobs and they've got a lot of skills and maybe if they worked hard, they could get another client like us, but it's difficult. Remote jobs are not that common. Mm. So it's very easy to, relatively speaking, it's still hard, but it's much easier than finding a local person, I would say, to find a remote person. That's why I love this remote work kind of option i think it's fantastic it seems to me like total freedom in a way like you work when you need to work yes you you don't necessarily there's no nine to five there's no nine to five i don't come into the office uh with other people so they don't really know if i'm coming into the office or not and also the staff do have freedom as well yeah we are tracking the time so there's they need to actually work a certain number of hours but, uh, but if you decide to do that in the middle of the night as opposed to during the day, that's up to you, providing you, you're getting your work done. Yes. We also have overlap time. So if you're in the same team, you need to be working three or four hours at the same time so that you can communicate effectively. We have meetings. Obviously, you've got to attend that. Mm. So there's some overlap, but there's also some flexibility. And so what are some of the other things that Time Doctor can do now? It's it, mostly around that piece that of tracking time and and making sure that the person's accountable and knowing what they're doing. And we'll try to actually get better and better at that so you can look at the software and really understand that that person is being productive, what are they doing, and that's the focus at the moment is, is on that. But we do also have ways to, to help pay the person if they're in another country, if they're in the Philippines and you're not sure how to pay them, so we have some integrations for that. But honestly, it's quite easy to do that. Uh, people will get a little bit scared because they're in another country oh it's different it's it's foreign but it's not really that 
difficult. We use TransferWise a lot. I was just about to... I was thinking TransferWise when, when yeah. you were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also for Australia, there's a good option called iRemit, which is actually okay. uh, one that's directly from Australia to the Philippines only. But TransferWise is a good global option that has uh, one where you can basically... Um, Use all the local bank accounts, basically. Yes, so, yeah. Yep. And so I'd imagine that it's much easier just to link up with things like TransferWise and rather than build your own. You want to stay core to your, your skills, right? Exactly, yes. Trying to do transfers is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you might need a few more than 70, 70 staff. Yes, yeah, probably. <laughs> yep. And so I just really encourage people to think about that remote because I know a lot of people have trouble getting their head around it. They're mm. kind of thinking in an office environment and they can't see the person there and there's a psychological barrier to doing it and especially when you have two teams if you have one team in the office and one that's remote then they can get very disconnected and the people that are remote will feel left out because they're not included as much like you just have this meeting that's in your office but you're not including the remote person or you might be including them in a conference call but it doesn't feel the same yeah so sometimes some companies will actually have the in-office meeting. You have to use a computer as well and you have to use the Zoom or the Skype. Or So you, Time Doctor links up with those two applications as well? No, I don't need to do that. You can just, yeah. you just use you it. You just use it, yeah. 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 Yes. And then what, what does it cost to use Time Doctor? It costs about $10 a month per person. Yep. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, so, so it's fairly easy. And is that US dollars or Australian US, dollar? US dollars, yes. Oh, that's, you'd be happy about the Australian dollar then? The Australian dollar <laughs> going down, I guess, so, yeah, because I'm earning money in US dollars, that's true. Yeah. And is this all that you do or do you have some other businesses? I have some other businesses. So I bought a business recently in Sydney. So I actually thought, you know what, I'm too remote. I don't have anyone here. I'm going to have a local business. So I ended up buying a local business. And what I've discovered is that I actually enjoy the remote more Mm. i do like to meet people in person and have a bit of a balance there but i do like the freedom when i'm working remotely because people don't interrupt me i'm just completely can do what i what i wanted and i can be very very effective and productive yeah so i really like that but uh, that business is uh, doing software for uh, big companies like lenovo and dell and so on and so walk me through the steps that you know how did you find out about because i think a lot of our listeners would be interested in how do they buy a business? What, right. were, the, what were the steps that you well, went through? Well, I would to... say it's a little bit of a caution story, to be honest, because mm. it was a business that was making uh, 500000 a year with, uh, for a million dollars. So I was buying it for two times profit, which sounds amazing. Mm. But all of the business was concentrated in a few clients. And those clients are mostly the printing companies. Um, so they're Canon and Ricoh, for example, and those are going through a lot of hard times. So they pulled back. A lot of the people have been fired in those businesses. So I could see the risk. The risk was mm. it was concentrated. And I thought, oh, I can handle that risk. But actually, I shouldn't have said that. I should have been more cautious about that risk. And so the other thing is that I have got a CEO and the CEO is, I think, doing fairly well in trying to manage the business, but it's quite hard mm. to get to generate new business and to try and recover from essentially we had a big downturn after I bought it so it was quite difficult so it sounded amazing two times profit mm. but it wasn't it was as cheap, good as cheap for a reason 
Yes. Perhaps. Yes. And and so how did you discover it? Was it like looking through the online classifieds it was, or was no, it an no, introduction? It was, or? it was just actually somebody that I was in an office next door to them and I knew them for quite a while, for more than one or two years before I bought it. And he actually was looking to sell it and I was introducing to people at first and then I thought, oh, maybe I can buy it. So. Okay. And anything else or are they the... I've done a number of things over the years. So I actually tried to do a WhatsApp competitor. That was a bit of a failure. Okay. I've actually got some property business in the US. So we actually have some Airbnb properties that are in Florida, which are really doing great uh, mm. because there's a lot of demand in Florida. We've got like five bedroom houses that we bought fairly cheap and they've all got swimming pools. And so they're renting for really good rates. So that's doing really well, and but I've had a number of other businesses that have failed, like a lot of web ventures that have gone nowhere really, or some of them have gone somewhere. But yeah, I mean, I think that's part of being successful. You have to; it doesn't always work out, right? Yeah, yeah, very true. And and starting up is very difficult each time. I think as well. Yeah, I'm curious about your Airbnb things in the states. So did you buy? into the property market like what year did you buy I, I bought at the downturn or just in 2009-10 that kind of time oh brilliant and so I went into the US and I thought I had some money which I'd made previously from internet businesses and then I thought well the best place to invest it was US property and that was the right decision hmm. but I have to say I executed pretty poorly because I went through a lot of partners and a lot of those partners didn't work out. Like some, one Do of you mean like partners in managing the real estate or managing... Business partner, 50-50 partners. Oh, okay. okay. So I went through probably five plus partners that I tried to actually get because I thought, well, I'm not in the US. I need someone to help me to do it. So we'll just partner 50-50. Yeah. And it ended up that one of the partnerships is great and he's amazing. And that has kind of saved a lot of the rest. Yeah. Some of them were uh, mediocre. One of the guys actually stole my money. Right. So I had a lot of poor experiences. But probably one of the things that I've learned is that to be a lot more cautious and long-term about those partnerships. So put a small, small amount of money, you know, test it out for a number of years before you put more in and or just do it yourself and don't get a partner is probably the best thing. So the other thing that I learned is that I bought a lot of older properties in some of them and they weren't as good because although they sounded amazing, like I bought properties in Indianapolis for 20, 30,000, they were 100 years old. So they were returning pretty reasonable amount i actually did make money on them but the problem is there was constant maintenance yeah. you can imagine these are big houses and and so now they they've gone up they've gone up from 30 to 60 or 70k still not still bugger all compared to sydney but mm. it's uh definitely gone up so I made money but it's still a slog because there's so much work on those properties that just constant maintenance just never ending i mean just the exchange rate you I don't know what the exchange rate was back then, but I, I remember a few years ago it peaked at you know a dollar ten or whatever. And yeah. I've got a friend that um, bought a lot of property in the US, and I think he's you know he bought it when it was low, plus the Australian dollars just you know collapsed forty percent or whatever. Right. And so yeah, he's made made it on that made money just on the exchange rate. Yeah, that's obviously great if you can do it. I, my timing wasn't exactly perfect, but it was 
I did make some money on the exchange, I think. And, and do you get to stay in these properties or are they too old? I do. No, <laughs> the ones that are in Florida is yeah. the, the main ones that I've kept, actually. Yeah. Okay. And so some of those are very nice. They're, they're really beautifully done up and they've they're all got swimming pools and really nicely done. They're all for Airbnb short-term rentals, not for yeah. long-term. So, yeah, I stay in those for a week and we have our company retreat there. Oh, brilliant. And so um, I know you're organising this conference. Should we talk a little bit about that? And sure, that yeah. Sounds that sounds quite exciting. Going that's to interesting. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is the second year, so it's called Running Remote and it's a conference in Bali and it's about how to manage a remote team around the world and it's exactly what we're doing. But we're getting leaders and there's people like GitHub that have spoken there and GitHub's a billion-dollar company. We've got WordPress. Uh, WordPress, I'm not speaking, but it's another example of a billion-dollar company. So we've got all of these companies that are mostly managing over 100 people that are all remote and they're speaking about how to do that, how to set it up, etc. So it's, it's a challenge to build up this conference, but there's a movement around this, and so that's why people are really interested in it. And we're doing a conference that's not a time doctor conference because I think people wouldn't want to come to that as much yeah. as, as something around the movement. You could be the lead sponsor, though. You we, do yourself a good deal. We're a silver sponsor, <laughs> actually. We, we're giving away these sponsorships. Um, we're, we've got actually quite a few sponsors. Surprisingly, it's actually... A lot of money from sponsorships is not that hard to get. It's actually right. probably okay. easier to get sponsorships than attendees. Our attendees are going okay, but the sponsorship's going really well. Okay. So is that almost like a? it could eventually turn into another business in itself? We're trying to make a profit. It, it may be break-even this year, but we definitely will be aiming to make a profit in the future years. And always in Bali, or do, would you, do you move it around? We're looking at some other options, Possibly in Estonia the next year. Wow, or, okay. Yeah, also in Canada as well we're looking at. And so speaking to other EO, like people in Sydney EO, have you come across a lot of businesses that are – because I know myself, I do outsourcing in a small way, like we've got a guy in India and I've got a, I've got a team over in the Ukraine that do SEO work. Well, um, a lot of them have – what I've noticed is that they have actually an office in the Philippines – and they get an outsourcing company to do it. And I understand why they do that because they don't want the hassle to try and figure it out themselves of how to hire the person, how to pay them and all that sort of thing. Mm. But I feel like that actually adds a lot of management layer and also expense layer. So you're going to cost a lot more. It's 40% more if you've got that extra layer on top of it. And also it means that you're only then focusing on one market. You're saying, I'm only going to look for people in Manila. Because yeah. I really love the idea you post a job. Let's say you want a developer and you say, well, I can hire them from anywhere. I don't care. And that greatly increases your chances of hiring somebody or just the talent pool is ginormous. Mm. And if you have the right processes for then filtering through, which then becomes the problem, because honestly, if you hire a, a developer in Sydney, you get probably five applicants. You hire a developer that's remote and you say, remote, work anywhere, you'll probably get 500 applicants. Yeah. And so now your challenge is to filter through those and find the right person. But that's really a much better challenge than only getting five applicants. So it seems like uh, platforms like Upwork or Freelance would be ideal sponsors for the remote work yes. conference. Yep. We may have actually Upwork attending the conference or speaking at the conference the oh, CEO. That, that would be very cool uh, 
Uh, so I think that's not confirmed, but we're yeah. in the final stages of discussing that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it seems to me that there's like this whole wave and movement of how the world's changing and how we work. And yeah, I mean, even where we are now, right? We're in a, a co-working space in the centre of Sydney. And yes. I don't know how many businesses would be here, but yeah. It's got to be a few, I'd yeah. say. And I think for Australian businesses, it's even more important to do this. I think New Zealanders have got this even earlier than Australians. But if you're trying to focus just on the Australian market and if you're trying to hire only in the Australian market, I feel that limits your business quite significantly. If you're in the US, it doesn't limit it as much because you can hire throughout the entire US and people are willing to travel often. But it's still better even if you're in the US to say, well, I can hire from any city and they can work remotely. I still think that's a big advantage. Fantastic. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up now, Rob. Um, I've just got a few final questions to ask you. Um, How old are you? 45. 45. And then what do you like to do to keep fit? I actually go to the gym. So I have and I run and I'm doing a Spartan race later this year. I've done it before, but I'm going to do the more intense one. Okay. Is that like you dress up as a Roman or something? <laughs> you're actually running through the mud and you're doing all these challenges. Oh, so you're, okay, you're running it. out of the yeah. robes. And Brilliant. How many hours sleep do you get every night? I try to get eight, but I probably get seven or six and a half. Okay, okay. And then do you have any personal goals that you're looking to achieve in the next 12 months? Yeah, lots of goals. I'm trying to do 10 chin-ups. Okay. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> yeah. From a fitness point of view, I'm also... Had a lot of goals for the business that I want to actually transform the business and my businesses into something that I can really build into a billion dollar SaaS company and that's something that I really want to spend the next 10, 20 years on and as a long term endeavor. So it has to really adjust a little bit what I'm doing in order to do that. And then what would you like to be most remembered for as a business person or as a business contribution? I think the remote is an interesting one to actually connect more people remotely is is quite a powerful thing Mm. okay great well thanks very much for coming on the show today rob all right it's great to chat